welcome to A Gem of a Secret Podcast. My name is Donna. And my name is Coco Gem Holiday. How are you doing tonight, Coco? Uh, so, I'm doing, uh, let's do that. I'm doing, uh, today. Today was a long day at work, honestly. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. It was. Today was a long day at work, and I had a lot of frustrations today, but it honestly was a, it was a good day. It was a good day. That's good. Yeah. Um, let's get into what are you wearing? Well, I am still um, furious at our government, so I'm just dressed in all black and red to show that I'm the fun little anarchist that I am. I have, like, you know, like a little uh, diagonal slit down the side that shows (laughs) the anarchist flag colors. Uh beautiful anarcho-communist that I am because you know what that's like all I have on my mind lately is like what's happening in the government is what's happening in the government and like when when can we be done with capitalism like I'm tired of it yeah I I was actually seeing um there was a post somebody had done online uh that said what we'll do for money nowadays and I think oh no 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 that's what it was it was the poll that said um, would you stay at your same job for more mm-hmm. money or no, no, work your dream job for the same income or stay at your, um, same job for more money. So that's the example. Work your dream job for the, what you're making now. Yeah. Or stay at your same job for double what you're making. No, I would work my dream job. Honestly. I, yeah, I think it's. I know that a lot of people answered that they would rather keep their same keep job their same job for more. double. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so sad. And it, the funny thing is, so I, I don't know if the job I have now, um, at the time of recording this, because I just like hit the pinnacle point of my job. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's my dream job, but it's what I went to. It's exactly the title that I got my master's degree in, which yeah. is IT management. And as of the time of filming this, like last week on Monday, I started as an IT manager. Yeah. So it's the job I worked for. I don't know if it's my dream job anymore. So when I read that, it's really difficult for me to answer knowing, like feeling like if it's capitalistic or not, because I worked so hard for this and I'm so happy that I made it here mm-hmm. um, because this was like a really big goal. So yeah, it was my yeah. goal job. It was my goal job. Yeah. So staying at my same job for more money, then I was like, yeah, it's my goal job. This is yeah. what I wanted. This is what I worked for, right? But you wouldn't call it your dream job. Yeah, I don't... Well, I don't know. The thing is, I'm actually really enjoying it. Like, yeah. a lot. Like, it's only been a week, but it's been a, a lot of fun. Like, it's, it's, well, it's hard. What if you got paid the amount to perform and, like, go on all these cruises and do all the drag stuff that you do? Well, actually, the funny thing about that is I had texted somebody yesterday mm-hmm. um, that I think I'm losing a little bit of my passion for drag right now. Hmm. And sometimes it goes in phases. Like, yeah. You and I have both been there. Ebbs but and like, flows. Yeah, it ebbs and flows. And But I don't know. I feel like I'm on a really large downward flow. I actually dropped... I actually did not take my first booking. That Definitely, I had had no gigs that day. Mm-hmm. But I actually said no to a booking. Yeah. Like, it was a full booking, probably great tips, and I said no. At a gig I'd never done, so it would have been more exposure, more fans. Mm-hmm. And I said no. Because I, 
that's not normally who I am. I know drag does wear your body. I'm getting older. I'm getting more tired. But does that have anything to do with the burnout of having a career and doing drag in order to like try and stay afloat? Like, are there any of the conditions of capitalism like affecting that burnout? Do you think potentially? Uh, I I know I play within the confines of capitalism, but mm-hmm. and also, but I also make a lot of money. So that post is really difficult for me because I would love to be making what I make in my career job yeah. doing drag. But so I guess my my opinion would be biased in both circumstances. Yeah. But if I try to think back to like my first job in college, um dang, actually no. I I probably would have I probably would have also stayed at the same job. Mhm. making or double that amount of money because I had big dreams that like outside of work yeah, that I wanted to be able to accomplish because we do live in a capitalistic society and I needed money to make those things. And I wouldn't, I would need money to make those things happen. Yeah. And that would be, that feels like a faster way to get there and it's the enemy you already know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. See, I just don't want to do any of that. <laughs> I really like it pisses me off like I experience like everyday fury knowing that I have to like just freaking grind until I have no more energy um for this really ar- arbitrary thing that we made up yeah you know and to benefit but I could go I could go on forever about this that's not what this episode's about and you haven't told me what you're wearing yet either um, I'm dressed as um, I'm just wearing a lot of dollar bills oh okay <laughs> to, to fit the, your capitalist um, narrative Coco yeah and then like the ends of it are a little burned because I, mm-hmm. as Donna pointed out I'm getting burned out yeah um, <laughs> trying to hustle and grind the funny thing about my actually I do want to talk about this just a little bit because I always have these intro like mini monologues yeah I I literally, so my family has always been hustlers. Like, they've mm-hmm. always been, like, side hustle after side hustle, making their money. All my family has big houses, and, like, yeah. except for my mom. She was the outlier who just, you know, didn't make the big coin in mm-hmm. her life. And she was very dedicated to family and community service and giving back, uh, which is admirable, obviously. But we didn't have the expensive clothes or toys or trips, like, um, all throughout being a kid and even through high school. We never had cable. Which yeah, I actually, I always thought cable was a luxury, because um, I never had it. Uh, we didn't have the newest video games or anything like that, and we usually only had one big gift at Christmas. Like, mm-hmm. Yes, we had a great life, and that is still a lot more than what a lot of people ever had. But that's how I grew up. And so, long story short, what I'm getting at is, is it did make me want for more, and then that feeds into capitalism in a way that's really disgusting Yeah, because it doesn't being poor doesn't necessarily or being broke doesn't necessarily make you want to work in your communities for a better tomorrow and work with each other so you both can achieve the same or even achieve greater equity together it makes you selfish well sometimes not only that but like the work under capitalism is is just like not meaningful work like you're making you're quite literally making someone who is part of the ruling class more money instead of working for yourself in a lot of cases, unless you're like a small business owner and you work for yourself, then in a lot of instances, you're just adding to the wealth of someone else. Yeah. And that means that you're doing really minute tasks that aren't fulfilling in a lot of ways. So Mm -hmm. 
not being under capitalism, you could get some more of that community enrichment and like really benefit your entire community around you because you're focusing on that. You're focusing on innovating. You're focusing on so many different things to for the betterment of the community that you're in rather than um, adding to the wealth of, of the few. And I think that is really where my frustration is, is like... Because it doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean anything. Unless you're working in a... Well, I mean, that's literally what you said, the first thing you said. Yeah. If you're doing meaningful work, mm-hmm. then it's meaningful, obviously. Yeah. And, and I mean meaningful in the sense of like giving back in some kind of capacity, even if you find what you do to be meaningful to yourself. Yeah. Even if you're like a computer programmer and you mm-hmm. find that to be meaningful because you love it. We're talking... I, I take it more so like giving back to the world as a whole. And that I do miss that feeling because I worked at a nonprofit for mm. eight or nine years, and I felt like even though I wasn't on the front lines helping clients, patients, uh, participants, uh, families, I felt like I was part of something. That yeah, was giving back, part of that, a greater system that yeah, was doing that. A greater mm-hmm. system that was doing a lot of great work, and like I would love reading our annual report. And just in case people do find out where I work and whatever and like complain about this episode I do have a caveat to add just in case this winds up in an HR meeting um, <laughs> working for a nonprofit is a lot different than working for a for-profit yeah like they did literally community services and so I do miss that aspect of it of mm. physically helping people yeah um, where I work now is great and they have a lot of community resource programs but they aren't the ones necessarily like helping expectant moms yeah they're not the ones that are directly responsible for yeah. those kinds of things yeah, I mean, I definitely, I definitely get that. Yeah, it's it's really hard, and it's I think it's just like it's taken a, a big toll on my mental health. Yeah. Too, because I'm like, what is the f- point of this all? Like, yeah, I mean, you know, like, yeah. Before I got off my tangent, it's literally um, I'm giving money to most of us when uh-huh. we work. We're just giving money to either a bigger, smaller corporation that may or may not do great things for the community. Uh huh. You're like, what is? And it does make you ask, what's the point? Yeah. Well, I mean, even if you're working for like a smaller corporation and the person that is benefiting from your labor is someone that you would want to avoid in a parking lot if you came across them. (laughs) Not that I'm speaking from experience. But yeah, like it's it's just um, it can get really, really depressing. So. Yeah, which yeah, yeah, which would I mean like even doing this like it would be it would be amazing if this is something that could sustain us and it it would also mean that I could we could both put more effort into this. Um, yeah, but that is that is the crappy thing about all this is like this is something that we genuinely enjoy doing, but because it doesn't pay the bills, it's something that we have to focus less effort on. Yeah, because I have. Um... So when I get less burnout, um, like when I have moments where I can really like breathe and get my head above water, mm-hmm. um, I actually have come to love and appreciate uh, my creative outlets because I, n- I might not be artistic, like I can't draw for shit and whatever, but like, yeah. I, like I find creativity in some of the things that I do, like cool ideas for a podcast and how to market that and like, like I find marketing to be creative, like how you can get to an audience and like say certain things or like coming up with cool unique names for drag shows and titles of episodes and like yeah like i feel like that is a creative process even though it's not fine arts and i I love those aspects and i'd love to like put more time into it especially because we've done our 
by the time this episode comes out, we've done our live show. Yeah. And um, and that was actually really cool. It um, was really cool. To be able to get to talk with our community about uh, just issues and stuff like that and that felt like giving back and that fed my soul in a really good way yeah thank you for everyone who was there by the way um that was it was really neat to talk to y'all during the break and after we got done with the recording um that episode will be exclusively released to patreon here sometime in the coming month and um eventually we'll make it onto our Uh, regular show but um, just keep an eye out for that and it was like I said it, it it was something that felt very enriching and and fun to do yeah absolutely yeah um, so before we get into our next topic I should ask Donna how are you doing this evening I will let you know after this brief commercial break Drag Danger Zone is a monthly showcase featuring new and established performers every month, every fourth Thursday at Mississippi Pizza, located at 3552 North Mississippi Avenue. This fun cabaret variety show is hosted by Marla Darling, Valerie DeVille, and DJ Awara. For ticket info, find us on Instagram at Drag Danger Zone PDX or Facebook at Drag Danger Zone. And get into the zone. The Drag Danger Zone, that is. Hey, are you kind of sick and tired of going downtown to watch quality drag shows? We're bringing you a specialty drag show to your neighborhood bar at the Montevilla Saloon. It is every last Sunday of the month at 7 o'clock p.m. So you can see downtown drag just in your backyard. Located at 8012 Northeast Gleason Street. Once again, that's 8012 Northeast Gleason Street. Be on the lookout for more information. It's a podcast. With Coco and Donna, tell a podcast. Tune into what they tell you podcast. With Coco and Donna, tell a podcast. Well, Coco, I am feeling like, although I'm very disillusioned with capitalism, (laughs) love is in the air. Love is in the air. Because we're talking about the difference between healthy relationships and And toxic toxic relationships. Yes. Um, so currently at the time of filming this, Donna and I are both in healthy relationships and I like, and even saying it that way is healthy. I know that the future can change in a heartbeat. It could even change before this episode releases. I understand that. Um, but I've learned a lot of lessons as of today, being in a healthy relationship versus being in toxic ones. Donna and I have been in lots and lots of fun, toxic relationships. Yeah. Um, and so it's really nice to even in this brief moment to appreciate and be happy to you know being in healthy ones. Yeah, honestly, definitely, definitely. So let me kind of interview just a little bit, and then you can interview me a little bit on this because you know yeah. I'm one longer. So, um, what's the biggest like difference between like let's even start with the hard subjects? Let's trigger warning right here for anybody. Um, what was it? What's the difference between, like, you know, being in an abusive relationship and being in a healthy one? Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, there's, like, the gaslighting, the putting down, mm-hmm. the uh, constant turmoil. Like, 
yeah, that's that's abuse, you know. And as much as you may be completely blinded to it in the moment because you're so in love with the person, in quotes, that's not love, by the way. Um, you're so enamored with the person because they're pretty or because they have, you know, maybe they're older and they... Um, buy you gifts or you know they give you something that you haven't gotten in other relationships they also definitely cause you a lot more harm than good and right. so I think in those situations especially in abusive relationships it's really easy to hold on to the few things that are good and ignore the bad and you kind of get to create your own narrative in those relationships while mm -hmm. everyone else around you sees what's going on and you yeah. honestly lose a lot of friendships because of that when uh, I was in abusive relationships, none of my friends wanted to really be around me. No. Did you find yourself... I talked about this online at the time of filming this. Did you, did you find yourself defending... All the time. <laughs> All the time. <laughs> I would... I All would, the time. I would lose a friendship for some fucking, like, abusive asshole. Oh, God. We used to fight about your ones that were just mm -hmm. bad. Yeah. Like, I'd be like, Donna, blah, blah, blah. And I... Gosh, what was that one? Uh... Oh gosh, I was gonna almost say their name, because um, we don't want to trash talk people on this podcast like that. Yeah. But like, I remember that one, the one we like learned to sew with. And yes. I remember something happened, and I was like, "Girl," and you're like, "He has issues with something." We just went off on me. Yeah, <laughs> we had full on fights over that because <laughs> yeah. he was garbage. garbage. Oh, he was utter garbage. Yeah, yeah. No, I you I would always defend constantly defend and it was because that like I said there's those few good things that they brought that maybe I didn't get in other relationships because it was the it, and that's the bare minimum too mm -hmm. that's the shitty thing it's like oh he surprised me for a date night out like after being shitty consecutively for like the past yeah. three weeks oh, yeah. <laughs> he's, he's my dream boat you know like no yeah. well and, then, and that's the moment too like the whole like I said this online, the people, oh my gosh, I am, so two things. I am getting so sick and tired of hearing this line. Yeah. Like, but it wasn't always like this. And he was so nice when we started. And like, I just miss the person that he was when we first started dating. You know what I want to say to those people? Hmm. Snap out of it. Snap like a, out of it. A big old Cher Moonstruck moment. I want to slap him right across well, the face. Well, because it's true. And then like, and then you find yourself when you get into the toxic zone where you're just biding your time. Um for the next bad thing or you're biding your time for the next mm -hmm. good thing because you're stuck in, stuck in such a bad place and I, it drives me crazy that people can't recognize that cycle and the funny thing is we've all almost been there like we've all been in those relationships I think most people have yeah right yeah. and it's in it and I got, that's so funny about the, the gift thing my very first boyfriend who I still have struggles with thinking about every time we would get into a fight, he'd buy me roses. Mm. Um, and I love roses. And I remember like even the roses stopped working. And I have to admit though, like I was the toxic person in that relationship because yeah. I couldn't appreciate, um, like I couldn't appreciate this person in the way that they needed to be appreciated. Yeah. And that sounds abusive. I know, but like, no, I was that person who, unless it was perfect, I would manipulate and be controlling and be gross. Yeah. And I would, I think, like, before the term was even popular, I used to gaslight so bad. Like, I would morph reality into making myself a victim so the person would care for me more. Yeah. Because I had so many damages about feeling like I could never be cared for. So if the person wasn't caring for me consistently and outwardly, 
that I would become a gross monster of a person. Yeah. And, like, so many toxic, horrible things. But it's also probably why me and Adam work out is because Adam incessantly shows me care and appreciation. Yes. Yes. Like, because that's the thing, too, by the way, like, I want to caveat a lot of the stuff that we're going to talk about here with this part of the episode, is that, and this, this hurts people's feelings when I say this, but sometimes a person doesn't necessarily change for a person. Like, when you see... When you see your ex being with somebody and they treat them a lot better, it might not be because they're changed. It's because they're more compatible with that next person than they were with you. Yeah. And so you're like, God, they just, if they would have did all that stuff with me, like they would have been great. Be like, well, you probably weren't giving them all the things that they also needed to be the person that you wanted them to be. Adam has like made me grow. Yeah. Growing is a term I like to use instead of change. I've grown with Adam to being less crazy, Mm -hmm. um, less out of my mind and out of sorts about how I should react in negative circumstances. I'm actually able to communicate the phrase, you, you might be right in this argument, but because you snapped at me, it makes you wrong. Yeah. Like I can healthily communicate that in this relationship. Something that you can process and uh, yeah. And then be receptive about it as well. Yes. Yeah. No, I, I know exactly what you're talking about. It's, where even if, like, you would have brought it up in past situations, it would have just brought a whole nother fight. Oh, God, just so many arguments. Yeah. So many arguments. So you've you've even been, especially with my ex-relationship, but you've been in other people's relationships, uh, next to other people's relationships, where, like, it went toxic and got physically violent at times. Yeah. That's actually how we became roommates. Yep. Um, Moved away from a situation where that happened. What have you seen... What have you seen to be a difference in the in those relationships where it got physically violent versus, like, where you see yourself in your current relationship? Like, because you obviously saw, like, where it was building up in different capacities. Yeah. Well, I think it also, like, I mean, a, a big thing in those situations a lot of the time is conditions. And it's like if you have two really jealous people drinking and going out to the bars together, like, and, and someone gets a little handsy at one point and it causes, like, a big uproarious kind of like confrontation then that's it just spells out trouble so like for me now like being a sober person and having a clear head and dating someone is like something that i'm i've never really been used to you know because even when i was younger i was drinking and you know if i wasn't drinking then i was doing drugs or something so it's like i i think having having like the cognitive ability and yeah. the thought process to where you are very clear-headed and you can think through situations and it's not clouded by alcohol or any other substance is incredibly important. But yeah, also, like, I mean, going back to that, like, even the jealousy alone is something that can ruin a relationship. It doesn't have to have alcohol involved, but I think it exacerbates it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think so. I, I There's a lot of toxicity that can come from drinking together. I will admit... I never actually, I don't know, no, I might have said this before, but the two biggest fights were, like, my ex-husband destroyed my house. Uh, He was drunk. Yeah. I don't think I ever really talk about that a lot. No, he was, yeah. Yeah, he was drunk when those things happened. He was, he ditched my events to go out drinking. I always say that he didn't come, but, like, I don't know how often, because I never really prioritized the drinking aspect of that fight. Um, If somebody were to ask me today as I'm processing and unpacking on this episode, if somebody were to ask me, do you think he would have did those things if he was sober? 
Um, I can honestly say I think he would have. Yeah. Like, his temper didn't ever seem to be super alcohol-related. It seemed like it got there faster when he was when the alcohol was involved. But, like, because we weren't, like, we weren't heavy drinkers. And actually, I don't know if we were heavy drinkers as I attacked Donna in this comment because we hung out with Donna and she would go to town. I was a heavy drinker. So, I don't... That was how I dealt with my issues. I don't know. Yeah. I actually don't know if he was a lot worse because of liquor. I mean, I think also, I mean, and I, I don't know if this was exactly the reason why, but this is also when they were experimenting with drugs more because of who they were hanging out with. True. They, they were doing a lot more drugs. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. Actually, I, don't, I that's something I'm going to have to, I don't think it helped the situation at all. Oh, absolutely. But uh, yeah, I'm going to have to unpack that a lot later. Um, yeah. I think it was a, I think it was a combination of things. I think it obviously, the conditions made it worse, but um, they had kind of their own mind made up about what was going on with the two of you, and that manifested in some really awful, ugly... Awful and ugly ways. Ways, yeah. So let's switch gears and talk about some of the happies versus the negatives. Yeah. So what is something that you've noticed in a positive way that never occurred to you in any of your past relationships? Hmm. Like... I think, honestly, it was just kind of taking things from the situations and learning. One of the biggest things that I learned about myself is, is like, the whole fantasy bonding aspect. Yeah. Uh, Projecting that, like, person onto someone who's not that person. Right. And and bonding with them in this way, thinking that the person I've created in my head is the person that I'm in love with, and it's not the person who was actually sitting in front of me ever. Oh, that's tea. Yeah, and I think in a lot of ways they did that the same thing to me, but in different ways. It was like they really liked the package, but once they like realized what was inside the package, like, uh oh, like you're not the person I thought you were. So <laughs> it's yeah. it like that. I think that's why a lot of my like previous relationships had a really short shelf life. Honestly, mm-hmm. I I mean months at a time, especially when it came to like my my dating life in my twenties. Um, I think. Um... Well, now I want to ask, what things do you think you're still in danger of, even though you've changed a lot since your 20s? Yeah. Um, reactivity. Mm-hmm. I think I get, I still get frustrated about things, obviously. And you're I'm very reactive. I'm, I'm reactive, and I'm, I'm also, like, an incredibly sensitive person. I, like, if something happens that hurts my feelings, I, d- I don't have a way, really, of hiding it. Mm-hmm. And, um... I also don't immediately want to talk about it. That makes sense. Sometimes I just want to, like, shut down for a little bit. And so, like, that, I think that can cause problems is, like, if my partner's asking me, like, what's wrong? And I don't want to, like, open up about what's going on. It can obviously cause breakdowns in communication. I think there's something that I have noticed about you a little bit in a lot of different aspects, is you're still a people pleaser a little bit in relationships. Yeah. You give a lot more of yourself. Um, and not saying in this one that you're not getting in return. I'm saying you still give so much of yourself. Yeah. Um, I remember, this is funny, This one of the things that Donna said to me in one of her early on relationships in Portland was uh, that she had yelled at me. <laughs> Donna hates when I talk about her relationships. She yelled at me 
because she said she didn't need or want a person that would be like Adam because we were still doing drag at the time, like somebody who would want or need to go to drag shows with her. And she was like, yeah, not everybody needs that Coco. And I was like, I didn't just want you yelling at me. <laughs> and I, I thought to myself long and hard about that moment for a long time because every time me and Donna get into fights, I think about it for about seven years. Um, so I got three years to go on this one. Um, <laughs> the, that I know that you also force yourself a lot to believe you may or may not need something if the other person doesn't like it. Yeah. You absolutely mold yourself. And you actually, you've gotten so much better about this. You used to mold yourself completely for another person. Well, that's part of the fantasy bonding thing, though. It oh, is. yeah. On the, the, the second part of fantasy bonding yeah. is you also yeah. changing yourself for the fantasy that you're building with the person yes. that doesn't exist with Changing them. the... the... Uh, integral aspects of yourself that make you who you are. <laughs> Changing the integral aspects. And, uh, you know, here's the thing. Like, in this relationship, I've gotten a lot more into anime, but I love it. So, like, it's not, like, it's not something that I feel is, like, necessarily bad things. Um, also, the person that I'm dating has really embraced, like, makeup and drag and all that stuff and, like, really has been so supportive of that. And that's something I never had. Like I would be, I think back in the day I I would have been willing to give up drag for a guy if it meant that I was in a healthy relationship with them. Yeah. Which if they ever asked you to or forced you to, it's a definition of not being a healthy relationship. Yeah. Yeah. And, but the thing is I do know that about you and like, I always get incredibly worried with any relationship that you get into because a lot, when it came to drag, because a lot of, like this this is a drag queen podcast like a lot of people don't like to date drag queens and no. so when you're in Donna's situation like you know wanting to find love and like getting older and then you're like oh well if they don't like drag then I can just probably give that up if this means I get to be in this relationship but that's what's really cool because this current relationship is actually um it's like some positive reinforcement when it comes to your creative arts. Yeah. Cool. Well, and there's, it's also cool because we've also been able to like talk about our talents in different areas and he likes to sew and like do DIY kind of stuff. Oh. And, and we've talked about going to cons and like cosplaying and stuff like that, where there's a lot of crossover with what you do with drag and also with like the whole DIY aspect of things. So it's yeah, like, there's a lot of crossover actually. There's eventually something that we could do together and bond over together with that. So like, that's actually really cool. That's something that we've talked about and it's like, yeah, it's, you know, it, it's not dragon. My femininity is, is not something that I feel ashamed of at all in this relationship. And that's Oof. something that I've not felt <laughs> really that's almost the title of the episode. Yeah. <laughs> it's something I'm not ashamed of at all in this relationship. Yeah. I, wow. I love that. I, um, I've had some recent res- revelations, mm-hmm. um, as well. Um, me and Adam have been together roughly about four, four or five years, something like that. And I, I used to celebrate in every relationship I was in. I celebrated month anniversaries and anniversaries, mm-hmm. and that is something that broken me. It's not something I grew out of. It's something that broken me because I used to celebrate these pivotal moments because I never thought I would deserve love. Now, when I got with Adam, I wanted to celebrate month anniversaries and anniversaries, but I was too fearful that it would just end up like my past relationships. And so I stopped doing those things. Mm-hmm. And that does make me sad. But one thing that has been really a consistent for me, so this is my answer to myself about what's something that you didn't realize um, in this relationship, you know, like that was positive for you, is that 
I don't feel as guilty about not doing those things with Adam because he um, gives me that constant reassurance that mm. I need as a person who has abandonment issues from relationships. Um, I think actually healthy abandonment relationship from relationships because they don't work out a lot. You start yeah. realizing if you wonder if it's you that when I got with Adam, then he's treated me in this way. It made me feel like, oh no, I, those relationships just weren't right. It's also a sign of like trauma too. Yeah, <laughs> the, the the constant reassurance because that's something that I've noticed I need too, in yeah, a lot of constant. ways. The constant reassurance because you doubt yourself because of the things that you've been through and because of how other people in the past have treated you. And obviously it's things that start like with your family unit and you try to seek out another people and then you don't get that in other people as you are in this journey dating. And so it's like you have to be willing to find someone who's going to communicate and work through that type of stuff with you. Yeah. And um, And not think you feel bad about it like yeah i did say it on an earlier episode too that my ex my first boyfriend ever he said to me that line well i i wouldn't be with you if i didn't want to be with you which is the most negative thing in the world and you, i see that in movies nowadays too be like i wouldn't like i wouldn't say i love you if i didn't love you That's yeah not reassuring that is the yeah. bare minimum yeah and it always came off and i used to always tell myself i was like why does that feel so weird Mm-hmm. Every time you'd say that, I wouldn't be with you if I didn't want to be with you. Yeah. It's like, great. Yeah. <laughs> I hate that phrase. And, yeah. And the it's reason, like, show me. Yeah, like, show me. <laughs> show me, goddammit. Make me feel appreciative and loved yeah. and happy. And I, I recognize, too, that there is so many times where I need that reassurance in more tangible ways so I can feel like... I want to know that my love, the fire, the passion isn't dying either. Yeah. I want it to still be as exciting as it was last week. And it's not because I'm trying to hold on to that feeling. It's also just because I want it to be proven consistently. And I think that that's okay. No, I think that's okay. I, you know, it's also something too that over time will become less and less. Yeah. Because it will be proven to you. You know, yeah. Um, like, and here's a good a good comparison again. The I don't want to have to feel like every time we get into an argument, the person's gonna break up with me. Mm. It does sound like you, not on your side, but your partner's side, might deal with some of that. Yeah. Um, based on some of the disagreements that you may have had, like you when you were telling me about it, like having somebody consistently apologize also is an indication on their side mm-hmm. that their fights and their past relationships were always like, the person probably said things like, well, I guess we just probably shouldn't be together then. Yeah. Like giving them ultimatums Ultimatums and and things were like deal breakers or, you know, yeah. It's almost, it's almost like threatening and holding that, holding the relationship for hostage at that point. Yeah. Or like just threats of like self harm and things like that also go into that. Yeah. Which yeah. is super unfair. Oh my gosh, so incredibly toxic. So (laughs) So incredibly toxic. I think speaking of that, like, so we've kind of, I mean, I don't want to call anyone out, but we've also like witnessed a lot of toxic relationships just as outsiders and as like trying to make friends yeah. um, over the last few years that we've lived here. Yeah. Um, and even, I mean, obviously even before then, we, we knew a lot of toxic relationships when we were in Junction too. So I guess like being on the other end of it, 
I realize why I had a lot of those friends in college that like didn't want anything to do with me when I kept giving toxic relationships chances. Mm-hmm. Like I, I get it because it monopolizes your friend's time and it's like they don't want to hear about it anymore. Yeah. And um, because like I in every conversation ends up there. Yeah. It, it would always end up there. Yeah. About like you BSing about your relationship. Yeah. And I said this online like. You have to, everybody, listen. You have to give your friends the whole story, like, in good and negative moments. Like, you need to be like, oh, my gosh, my partner was so sweet today. They bought me flowers. They, you have to be like, oh, my gosh, like, my partner sent me the cutest text. And then you can also be like, my partner was such an ass today. You have to give the whole story to your friends. Because yeah. what will happen is your friends will start believing the narrative you give them. And if all you do with your friends is vent about your partner... Guess what? When you start having that part where you get to being toxic, your friends are just going to be like, I don't care. Leave him. He I sounds don't care like garbage. because I've told you a thousand times already that they're <laughs> shitty based off of what you're telling me yeah. and you're not doing it. So yeah, me and Donna actually checked out recently. We're not calling anybody up, but we checked out recently because uh, I've been giving Donna advice for over a decade and now she's has some masterful skills within herself with like all the self work she's done plus the therapy that I've given her. And so, like, now she also gives some awesome advice. She's given me great advice recently about relationships. And so, like, but we're also still those people who are, like, kind of not one and duns, but, like, hey, girl, like, you should maybe do X, Y, and Z. I can only repeat myself so many times. (laughs) I can only give the same advice so many times before I get sick of my own advice coming out of my mouth again, you know? And I I get sick of you not... taking any of it in, you know, Mm -hmm. like it it going, like you not processing any of it, you know, like that's, I think that's where the frustration lies there. Um, I don't know, because I can't even say, you know, like I look back on the person that I was and how when you would give me advice or other friends would give me advice, yes, I would like definitely take it into account, but, um... I don't know if it ever really got that bad to where it was like I was just completely not listening to anything and or even really acknowledging it. You would acknowledge and then make your own choice and it usually was still along the The opposite choice of the thing I told you to do. But that's I mean, that's I know everybody listening to this podcast are like, Coco, that's how people grow. And I get that. I get that. I get that. I guess what I'm venting about is Maybe take some personal accountability that, and this doesn't make us shitty friends. What it is, is like, take some personal accountability that if you did absolutely the opposite, you can't expect your friends to have the same level of compassion. Yes. At, when you come to them again with the exact same issue. It's not that they don't love you. It's just like, girl, I, I literally said last week. I guess the good thing with my situations is that my relationships were always so short-lived, so it wasn't happening over and over again with the same person. Like, usually they were gone in a couple of months, so it wasn't like it was, like, a long-stake investment in you telling me the same shit over and over again. It happened with multiple different people. Yeah, it was the same advice with multiple different people. And and that's fine, though. Like, we we all had to grow, and, like, I... But the other thing, too, is I wish I would have had a friend who would give me consistent advice. Like, a lot of people really never gave me a lot of advice about my ex-husband. Yeah. Um, like, they just didn't. And we just was, kind of drank about it. Yeah, we kind of talked about it, but it would always be like, 
I mean, I remember one time I came up with a plan about how to make it better, and I wrote about this online today. I came up with a plan about, you know, because once again, like the first part of this episode, we said, uh, you know, if we could just get back to where we were. I So I had a plan that was to get back to where we were. Yeah. And so we got into an argument, obviously, because arguments are always so common in toxic relationships, and I said, um, I said something in the lines of, like, like, I tried to be understanding when the fight happened. I was like, yeah. hey, like... Let me calm down. Let me not get angry. I spoke calmly. I spoke softly. I had all of these tools in my toolbox. And and the fight still ended up being... It hurt me more. Yeah. Because now... Yeah, I do, I do mean this. It hurt me more because I remember him saying... Because I had asked him, why did he tear apart this thing that he broke? In a very calm voice. And in a very returning calm voice, because I was calm... He said, I don't know why I do those things to you. And I said in a very calm and hurt voice, I was like, but those things really hurt me when you do that. Yeah. So I don't I don't understand. What can we do to keep you from doing that? And he said, I don't know. And I don't really know what you want me to tell you. And I really don't want to be on the phone anymore. Is what <laughs> he said. And I was devastated. And then in a similar moment, I had asked him, because my ex struggled with eating issues, and there was lots of fights with that. Same with Adam. Adam has a lot of those, too. Um, and I actually treat Adam and my ex exactly the same way when it comes to eating issues where I just get out of the way because I don't mm-hmm. want to deal with it. Um, I said to my ex in a calm voice, um, when you're getting like that when it comes to food, what, what should I do in this circumstance to be supportive of you? And he said, it'll change from situation to situation. I was like, what do you mean? He's like, well, if it's like... He's like, I don't know how I'm going to feel with my relationship for food. If I feel fat that day, it's going to be more violent. Like, if it's, like, he didn't give me a toolkit. He basically gave me a couple of examples. And he said, so I will never know how you should treat me or how to respond to me. Uh, sorry, he he basically said he doesn't know how to give me a roadmap to his emotions when he's mm-hmm. being violent and angry about food. And I realized now how unfair that is. Yeah. Even with mental health issues to tell a person i don't it's basically like let's even go to the extreme and say like you know somebody who hits their partner that's literally me saying like how in a calm voice how can i avoid being hit by you yeah and them saying i don't really know it depends on the situation it just depends like sometimes i might hit you harder more than other times or you know i might be more angry yeah it's literally what that was and to navigate how toxic that was, my God. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's something that you definitely didn't realize until later on. And I think one of the conversations that you and I had with your ex was, like, definitely, I was like, you definitely gave them a lot more credit than they deserved when it came to how you, like, praised them um, in your relationship. Yeah. You, you um, tried a lot harder. And put in a lot more effort than they ever did. Isn't it funny how even right now I still want to defend those actions? Isn't that how toxic, toxic <laughs> yeah, relationships are? It, yeah, Like, it I'm looking at Donna wanting to fight her on it. I literally wrote yeah. this. Like, you want to defend that relationship because you feel humiliated that you were too stupid. And I will say stupid. Well, I'll still for myself to not hurt other people's feelings. I was too stupid to recognize that even in this moment, I know that Donna is right. I know in my heart and in my head that they're right, but there is like a part of your soul that wants to believe that this person 
wasn't doing these horrible things yeah. to you yeah. that you just couldn't see for yourself. Yeah. But everyone else could. Yeah. I could. <laughs> I could. <laughs> I could. I mean, it was it was a tough situation because I was also friends with both of you. Yeah. So it was like, it's like, what do you do in that situation? And then I think I finally reached my breaking point with them. Um, granted, I mean, this is also, I had quite an alcohol-soaked brain at this point in my life. I was drinking very heavily and going out to a lot of the parties that they were at. Mm-hmm. But... Um, I think I saw, like, kind of scheming happening, and Mm -hmm. um, that led to them being, like, really fed up with me because I came to your defense drunkenly one night, and they definitely, like, didn't want anything to do with me after that point. They're like, we see what what side you're on. Um, Yeah. I I remember you telling me about that, too. Yeah. And I... I think that, it, well, Donna's always been a person when she was drunk, she was very, not really loyal. It's more like... Confrontational. She's confrontational, but it was also like, Donna could also see what was like, for lack of a better term, like kind of right and wrong in a scenario. Like, Donna's that girl who's like, we're all drunk, like, let's steal that sign. And Donna's like, no, that's, no, that's stupid. Like, yeah. Don't do that. They were, and basically what the situation had come down to is like, they were scheming and trying to like, kind of like move out without like keeping you in the know kind of is yeah. what was what was happening um they were not going to give you any kind of courtesy basically yeah and i um got really drunk and got in my like broken record states where i keep repeating the same thing over and over mm-hmm. again and i pissed them off so bad that i was left i remember i was left alone in that room with a bottle of vodka that we could all just like pitched in to buy together and mm-hmm. i finished that thing on my own because everyone had left me because they were so fed up with me Dang. I was, I just kept repeating. I was like, well, since some people are disloyal and. (laughs) (laughs) Donna's a good drunk friend. Yeah. Uh, I, well, she, she helped me with that situation. And, and the thing is like, even in, I've had the same moments even recently where now a sober Donna, when I was like, Hey, like even when I, I had a fight with Adam that lasted three days, it's the longest fight that we've ever had. Um, in a in the relationship when we were friends we had fights all the time but uh, in the relationship and I went to Donna and I said this thing because when you're in a positive relationship sometimes the advice you can get is really unhealthy because people are like well they're so great they're so perfect like just move on yeah and I was talking to Donna about it and Donna like validated my feelings yeah like because even Adam couldn't validate my feelings because our relationship is so great so he was like well, I don't understand, like, why we just can't move past this point. And I remember talking to Donna, like, before we filmed one of the podcasts, I was like, I was like, because I can't move past this point. Mm-hmm. Like, that's... And it's an it's, issue for for you. It was an issue yeah. for me, and I couldn't just move past it. And then Donna was like, yeah, because you have all these past traumas and blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And, like, but when I was able to... So I basically took all the words that Donna gave me and then actually applied it to Adam saying, like, I, talk, I actually did. I said, I talked to Donna about this mm-hmm. and she made a good point and this is why this is affecting me so much. Mm-hmm. And we were able to have this really great, beautiful, open dialogue. And so one of the other positive tips I want to add in here is open dialogue is super... So important. Effing important. So important. And as much as sometimes, because like I said earlier, I do find myself sometimes shutting down when I like get uncomfortable with something instead of just like 
being open and communicating. Yeah. Like, it is so much easier to just have that conversation. And then, then you can give yourself all the time you need, like, to be like, okay, need a little bit of space right now, but I need to express this to you. Like, yeah. rather than holding it in and creating resentments or, you know, just, like, being right. frustrated with the person without actually having any sort of um, open dialogue, it's it's just so much healthier to do that. It's so much healthier to do that because yeah. creating resentments is, is what leads to that long-term toxicity, you know? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Because it, um, it's... Okay, so here's the other thing about open dialogues, um, uh, and this is confusing for some people, and so I'll just try to be concise with it. When I, when I say open dialogues, I am literally talking about the part of the conversation that makes you uncomfortable. Yeah. And I mean the part that actually hurts your partner's feelings, but if you care about them, you can be honest in a way that is tactful and open. Like, let's talk about a difficult subject, especially in queer relationships, wanting to have an open relationship. Mm, yes. Like... That me and Adam have had that conversation in a way that has been really healthy and freeing mm-hmm. for both parts to where both people don't feel like it's a compromise. It feels like it was a conversation. Um, like saying like, hey, I am feeling like maybe we should talk about this. Mm-hmm. An open dialogue isn't you telling your partner what you want per se, yeah. especially if it's going to affect them. Saying like, well, I'm going to bust a hole in your wall. Like that's... That's not no. an open dialogue. Saying like, hey, I'm really considering and having feelings about like maybe we should potentially put a hole here. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah. Like that's an open dialogue. It's the things that can negatively infect, impact your partner and actually saving those conversations for when your partner is ready to receive them. And even having an open dialogue like, hey, I have a difficult conversation I kind of want to have with you. Um, it might hurt your feelings. I'm not sure, but like, are you open like to having a, that now? A pre-conversation to the conversation. Yeah, I've actually like a preview. Had that yeah, a few times, and Adams even said to me sometimes, like, "Hey, I, I wanted to talk to you about something, um, and I'm not sure." Are you open you're to feel. receiving this right now? Yeah, and, and like, yeah. no, I'm not really feeling that at the moment, but maybe you should talk about it later. Yeah, like, Just put a pin in it. Put it definitely put a pin in it, and yeah, uh, and it's been really helpful. Um, yeah. If I could give any advice about this entire episode, open communication would probably be the one. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Be candid, be open, and um, honestly, I think that comes with being in a healthy situation. That's not something that you're afraid to do, you know? Yeah, and there's a difference, too. I want to know how you feel about this, too. Mm-hmm. I don't like hurting Adam's feelings, and it's different than how I felt in past relationships. When I hurt any past relationships feelings, I felt really guilty about it. But then I also felt, I guess the best word would be relieved that I hurt them so they know how I feel. Yeah. With Adam, when I hurt his feelings, I never feel happy or relieved when his feelings are hurt. Yeah. I just feel upset that he's hurt. I think that, I mean, that shows growth and healthy. That shows that it's a healthy situation because you don't ever want to hurt your partner. You know, um, I think in those past situations, maybe the reason why you felt that way is because there was resentments and it's because you had been hurt by those people. 
Yeah. And so it felt good for them to experience it, what you were experiencing so consecutively. Well, and both. It's the first, it's both things you said. Yeah. Uh, It's selfish to feel happy that you've hurt somebody's feelings because it gives you, you're trying to let them know how you feel. It's literally like that episode of Euphoria we were watching. Yeah. Where she did all these things to hurt this person. And when he was hurt, she felt a little happy about it. Yeah. Like, because he finally understood how she felt. I think that that kind of behavior is immature and incredibly selfish. Mm -hmm. Because even adults still do that. Yeah. Um, Oh, definitely. But then the second part of it is also right, is that I had resentments for how I was being treated. And so it made me um, feel good that they were hurt. Yeah. Which is not love. No. I mean, some people might say, well, that's just a little human. Like, they hurt you. You want them to feel bad. It's like, yeah, I want them to feel bad, but I don't want to feel happy that they feel bad. That they bad. feel bad. Yeah. That, that's not healthy. That's, <laughs> that's That's incredibly toxic. Like, <laughs> <laughs> But, I mean, I think that if, like I said, if that is a, a reaction, then it, it's a big indicator that the relationship isn't a healthy one to begin with and there's obviously been some resentments and toxicity that's happened in the past so i need advice so one thing i struggle with is crying yeah like because you're a cry baby i am (laughs) fully i will admit that (laughs) less so since i stopped drinking it takes me a little bit more to cry but yeah what go on do you because I'm still unpacking this. Because, by the way, it's a problem I have. Yeah. Because I've, I've seen you cry in front of him before. Or I've heard it. Um, so, how do you feel when you cry in front of him? Um, supported. Supported. Uh, do you feel embarrassed? I feel no. Embarrassed. No, because... No. <laughs> he just keeps saying this. I'm trying... Yeah. I don't want to, like, revit... He cries more than I do. <laughs> So, like, I feel like it's, like, my, it's an opportunity for me to open up. I've never been, like, the, normally I am the Mm crybaby, you know? So, and I I don't necessarily like that term because I think it's really endearing when he does. And for good, like, you know, for, like, a good reason, you know? Um, Like, when he's sharing something about his past to me and, and cries about it, like, I, I think it's, you know, beautiful. And I, obviously, it's not something that I, like like to see because I like to see him hurt, but I like to see him release that and like process his emotions. Um, I think, well, cause you answered my question. It's funny. Cause you, you kind of answered a question that I already kind of knew, but you put it into better words. That's a hundred percent how I feel when Adam cries. When, yeah. I, when Adam cries, it's usually the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. Yeah. It makes me fall in love with him in ways I could never imagine, but I'm not able to cry. I feel so humiliated and embarrassed. I think it's because this is the difference. Mm. It's because I'm such a strong person in our relationship, and he calls me strong on the internet, Yeah. that I hate when I am to that point, mm. because it makes me feel vulnerable. weak to him. Yeah. And vulner- yeah, it's vulnerable. It's vulnerability, but that's not weakness, though. Vulnerability is not the same. They're not not the same. That's There's a, a lot of strength in vulnerability. And, um, we are human. 
We are, you know, we're, we are these uh, completely flawed beings, and it's okay to, like, express our emotions and um, feel things, feel things so deeply that it cause our, causes our eyes to leak a little bit, you know? Um, but that's something that I definitely, I encourage you to, like, be more open to, like, connecting with that vulnerability, that is terrifying. How dare you? That is absolutely terrifying. <laughs> I I know that I'm I was probably like overly connected. Like I for I think a lot of the reason why I cry like I said I am I am sensitive not soft. Which is not something that, that I really I, I, it's not something that I really like like to brag about the fact that I am sensitive and not soft, but I also know where it comes from. I was yelled at a shit ton as a kid. Oh yeah. I was yelled at so many times and like my first reaction to like the raising of the voices would be to cry. You know? Mm. Like it was just um I would just start crying if like adults talked to me like that. And um it's, it's something that I've had to like learn to like i'm incredibly sensitive to people's tones so when i sense a a tone change in someone to me it does like make me that's how i feel that way around you though because your tone changes you're reactive yeah shit and like when your tone changes to being angry like i have a fight or flight response for it and 90 percent of the time it's usually a flight from it (laughs) yeah (laughs) you're like i'm gonna give her some space she's fucking angry sucks we're in a car together to do now yeah um no i just yeah i god and you don't oh man you do change too when you get snapped at you do not like it no i hate it every single relationship you've ever been in when you get snapped at you snap back yeah well you you're firm back now yeah i don't necessarily like it it's not to the level that it used to be oh yeah yeah yeah, you were you don't like being taught. I used to give like a hundred if someone gave me ten. <laughs> <laughs> I, gave a, I gave a thousand if somebody yeah. gave me four. Like <laughs> No, I, I super get that. Yeah. I think yeah, God, I feel really actually relieved saying that. I've been struggling with that recently. Mm-hmm. Because like, you know, I'm older. I know that my parents are gonna pass away probably soonish <laughs> in some capacity. Yeah, my mom's already talking about putting me on the deed to her house. Yeah. And I just want to know, like, when my grand This is why. When my grandma died, me and my ex-husband were in a fight. And he was really bad about making me feel comforted and loved. Mm-hmm. And Adam will absolutely make me feel comforted and loved, but now I have trauma associated with death. Yeah. <laughs> because my ex-husband couldn't pull his head out of his ass... Because we got into to an be there for you to be there for me on a four-hour car ride to Denver to a funeral, while I was crying and being terrible, like where I was just being a mess yeah. alone. Yeah, grieving someone alone is awful. Even in a room full of people who are all grieving the same thing. Yeah, Ugh. I think you'll be surprised. I-, I think you'll be comforted, and you will be, like, in in the moment when you are. Having to grieve, um, you will feel the support that you've always wanted with Adam because of the differences in your guys' relationship. Oh, God, I'm probably going to start crying and never be able to stop crying at him. And he's going to be like, oh, God, I didn't realize you were such a crybaby. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, but I think that's, like, a, like we've been talking about, that's the difference between something healthy and something not healthy, you know? Yeah. 
yeah, I think that 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 makes sense. These full circle moments where Donna's using her education to give me therapy. <laughs> to all these listeners can't wait for this episode to blow up when we're famous someday. Oh, Ooh, girl is a mess. <laughs> <laughs> well, we all are. Like I said before, we're all queer and a little bit in a stage of arrested development to some level. God, so. I hate that show. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, I think that that, um, well, actually, let's leave it on a little bit more of a positive note um, than that depressing shit. <laughs> um, I know that we kind of, like, made reference to a lot of people in our lives who are struggling in toxic relationships, and I do have something to say to every single one of you. The fact of the matter is, every, and I've said this online, and I've said it to some of you, every single moment of every single hour of every single day, I never... I never question how in love I am with my partner and how in love they are with me. And they treat me as such and I treat them as such. Remember consistently that if you're questioning why they're hurting you, you should start questioning why you're with them. Because there are so many fish in the sea you don't have to spend all of your energy and all of your power and all your love on a relationship with a person who is damaging damaging you inside and out. You can, I promise you, I promise every single person listening to this podcast, you will find love in the way that you need. It just might not be with the person that you're with. Yeah. I definitely agree with that. And a thing that I like to think about love is that Um, And it's a quote that I've heard before, and it is, love requires the commitment to meet the challenge of dealing with another human being. And it it is a challenge. It is a challenge in a lot of times because you have to look outside yourself and understand someone else's needs. Yeah. Yeah. Without conditions. Without conditions. Mm -hmm. So be kind to yourself, everybody. And hopefully you gained something from this episode, especially in our anti-capitalist rant. Yeah. (laughs) I know that was a a tone shift, but... (laughs) Thanks for listening, everybody. Yeah, thank you. Bye. Bye. This has been another episode of A Gem of a Secret podcast. The hosts of A Gem of a Secret podcast are Donna and Coco Gem Holiday. You can follow Donna at Donatella underscore my secrets on Instagram. You may follow Coco Gem Holiday at Coco Gem Holiday on Instagram. Original music by Touche Douche and Party Favors. You can follow them respectively at Touche Likes Beef and Party Favors Music on Instagram. For more content, follow them online at www.ajemofasecretpodcast.com. That is www.ajemofasecretpodcast.com.